0: Youth Ministry Institute original podcast. Welcome to the Making Sense Ministry podcast, a podcast designed to help you lead well in ministry, transform your lives, and impact generation. I'm Brian Lawson, back again with Kirsten Knox. Hey, Kirsten.
1: Hey, everybody. Hey, Brian.
0: And we are excited to celebrate a new season, start a new season, and uh, we've got some great stuff to share. Uh, so I don't know when our listeners are listening to this. Uh, perhaps they're listening to it shortly after they release it. Uh, but we just ended summer. Yes. And I had, an, I had a really cool experience, Kirsten, that I want to share with you. The I was had a really long day um, and I was exhausted. And I think we all know those days. Um, and those are the days when you're out and about and you kind of hope you don't see anybody, you know, <laughs> I don't know if, you, if you know these days.
1: I got it. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes. So my family and I we were eating dinner at a, at a restaurant, but it uh it was like a quick service place. So we thought we could be in and out and no one would see us and we could be good. Um and we're sitting there eating and then all of a sudden I, I see like a shadow hovering over to the right of myself. So I panic a little bit wondering what in the world's happening. But then I look over and I see uh I see a what is clearly a, a football player, right? So a high school football player. And then I look behind him and there's this big group of high school football players that had come from practice. It looks like, you know, probably doing long summer practices right now. And, uh, and he said, pastor Brian. And the whole time I'm like, I don't know if I know this person. And
1: I think I should, cause he knows who I <laughs> and am. And I feel
0: like at this point in time, I'm supposed to know him. And so I wasn't sure who he was. Uh, and he goes, pastor Brian, I, I, I know I hadn't seen you in a while. But I just wanted to tell you, you were like the first person to tell me about Jesus. And you were the one who really got me interested in faith and in Jesus. And uh, like, here I am, terrible day, don't want to see anybody. And then hit with some incredible, you know, gift from him to share that with me. man, I I didn't know who he was. Uh, I, I knew that I had to know him. I recognized like his mannerisms and he clearly knew me and so i kept trying to remember who he was so i'm trying to play it off like we do yes um, yep. so, <laughs> but then i go home later and i look through my instagram feed and old pictures and i figure out who it was so i hadn't seen him in over 4 years wow and he was a little six sixth 6th grader just started 7th grade the last time i had seen him so this time he's middle of high school he's grown up Don't a say, lot he looks, he looks different. way yeah. different he's got lots of, yeah long hair everything's very different um and so but it was just a really cool uh, experience so then of course i I actually sent a message on Instagram uh, with an old photo of him and it was just a cool experience to have him share that with you uh with me and uh yeah so I hope I hope our listeners have had that experience Kirsten have you ever had something like that happen before to you
1: yes I have um I was trying to think back of the last time I think I received it was during a graduation recently um and someone one of my old students was graduating and they had had sent me a thank you card and had written things in it and that I was like, man, I had no idea that this had the things she mentioned, some specific things that made a difference in her life. And you're like, I thought they were impactful, but I had no idea at the level in which it was impactful for her. And it was again such a gift. And I didn't expect it, you know, you you get a thank you card from graduation and you think it's the standard. Yeah. Like, thank you, blah, blah, blah for your and um it was definitely a lot deeper than I anticipated. So definitely yeah. in those, because I'm like, there's a lot of times we do ministry without getting those thank yous or even just wondering, like, is this really making a difference? So what a gift when those moments happen. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to hold on to that because in the discouraging moments, I'm going to remember
0: this. Well, and when I, I when I think about him in sixth and seventh grade, I would have never thought any of it was even registered, mm-hmm. But clearly something did and the holy spirit moved in him somehow um and it it meant something so yeah such a great experience i'm so thankful i had it yeah you know and it was and it was on a, like the 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 right moment when i'd mm. had like a day that, yes. that that i didn't really want to talk to anybody and i
1: think it's so important to remember there's so much we don't see that god is god is always at work we believe that we know that but to remember yeah. that there's so much that we don't see that god is at work doing in the lives of students so
0: yeah. And so whether whether they ever tell you or not, mm. and maybe years before, you know, maybe they were in your third grade class, you know, when you were teaching, volunteering in a children's ministry, or maybe they're in your, you know, when they were in middle school, I don't know, but it could be years before you hear from them. But you never know. You never know how, how it sticks with them. So it's just the experience. I hope our listeners get to have that at some point in yes. time. It's such a gift to me. Um, and, you know, I've had other encounters like that, but this was the most recent one that really uh, kind of hit me this summer. So. Mm. But today, we're going to lean into, this is our first episode uh, of the season, and this season, we're going to focus on uh, something that I think lots of churches deal with, that we hear all the time, um, and that is primarily about volunteers. Uh, Kirsten, I not about you, but I feel like I hear that like, that's a need all the time.
1: Yes. It never ends. Yes. And I would say particularly, I think always, but particularly just after pandemic life, um, that just seems to be even more of a struggle and a challenge. So, yes, most of the time in a lot of conversations, we're having conversations about volunteers, recruiting volunteers, training volunteers, all things related volunteers,
0: yeah, it's a constant need. even when I think about where I serve and the church I serve, I mean, that's always something that we're we're struggling with and seeking to further develop. and and, um, you know, you feel like a college football coach who's got to recruit the next. The next next batch to come in. That's what I
1: know, and I always it wanted it. Like yes, like to do it and be done, because I'm like it's not yes. always my favorite. So, like if I focus on it, do it and be done. But the truth is, you're never done. Like you're always yeah. doing it. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we've we've got some some stories about volunteers. I, there's one volunteer that just sticks out to mind when I think about him. He was a volunteer for me years ago. Must have been fifteen years ago by this point. Time it was a while ago. And one of the things I'll never forget about him was this was Facebook was kind of the main social media. Instagram hadn't come out yet. And he would post pictures on Facebook. And then he after he posts his picture on Facebook, he always liked his picture. And I thought, why do you like your own picture? What are you doing there? And his statement was, how do you know I really posted it if I don't like it?
1: Wow. Okay.
0: So just so I actually checked on the other day, just see if he still does that. And he still does that to this day. He posts his picture and he likes it. So that's just one. you know, I just will never forget that about him. Uh, He was, you know, he was a great volunteer and I enjoyed him, but I just, you know, won't ever forget that. Um, And so that was hysterical to me. So then he always thought like. The ministry had to like its own picture because if it didn't, the ministry didn't really post it. How do
1: you know? It's like the second verification right now that we do a lot when you're like trying to get into things. That's the, here's how you really know.
0: (laughs) Yes. So it's just hysterical. So So I just always remember that.
1: I remember my, the first church that I served in, we had a volunteer. We did, um, our church was located near the high school, just a couple blocks. Mm -hmm. So we did at 6 a.m. every Friday, we had high school breakfast. So we cook at the youth building and then the high schoolers would go and then we would do middle school.
0: So this is hot breakfast. You hot cook this breakfast. breakfast.
1: Every Friday, middle school or yeah, high school was at six, middle school was at eight.
0: Wow. And then
1: the middle school was farther away. So that when we had buses, so we would bus them to and take them to school for the middle school. But the high schoolers they were nearby and they would drive and carpool. But we had this one volunteer that he had for many years. He cooked pancakes. That was one of the things um, that was his favorite. But every Friday and like when I started, I think he had been doing it probably already six or seven years. And he came Mm -hmm. every Friday. He had keys to the building. He started the breakfast. He got the breakfast going. Um, And then when we showed up, but he he would do it all. And he had another he had another adult that he would recruit different adults in different years. But he was the main staple. But I'm like every Friday. 6 a.m. He had to get there earlier because we we all got there at 6 a.m. But he bought. He's like, "This is my happy place." That's what he used to tell me. This is my happy place.
0: Isn't that amazing when you meet a volunteer like that? That's I think, like how do how do you get one of those? Right? Like that's incredible. <laughs> I'm, like, um, I'm like I'm glad I, it's your not, happy
1: place because 6 a.m. on Friday is not my happy place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean that reminds me of a church that I, when I was part time, I was in seminary. And I was part time at this church. Um, And there was a volunteer who had been there for years, and I haven't been at that church for years, and he is still there. Like, he has outlived probably six youth directors, maybe more, in his time as a volunteer. Um, And so, what what a gift to the students there and the families, and a level of consistency by having him there all that time.
1: And I think it speaks to when we can help volunteers line up with their passion and do something that is life-giving to them. You really have an opportunity for longevity. Um, And how cool is that?
0: Imagine landing your dream ministry role or engaging with a community of other youth and children's ministers as you learn practical tools and enriching insights together. Whether you are looking for your next ministry job or you are looking for ways to grow your skills as a leader, we have opportunities for you. Head over to yminstitute.com to learn more. And now, back to the episode. So Kirsten, do you you by chance have any volunteer stories uh, that inform how you think about volunteers or has shaped how you go about recruiting or training or just volunteers in general?
1: When I was in, I was probably in my second year of being a youth minister, and I served in a church that I was on a youth ministry team. So there was, you know, a staff of us. Um, But my responsibility was part of recruiting and training the leaders, which I thought was kind of interesting because I was the youngest on staff in the youth ministry. And I'm like, so most (laughs) of my volunteers, truthfully, all of them were older than me because I'm in my Mm -hmm. early 20s, most of them twice my age. So I just felt scared and intimidated um and so one of the first times like I inherited volunteers so it's the second year you're recruiting some volunteers. I had this dad that came to me and he wanted to teach the sixth grade Sunday school class and I currently was teaching it but it was one of the things we were looking at taking off my plate so that I could do some other responsibilities and I loved my sixth grade Sunday school class but I was like you know you're supposed to do this so even in talking to him, I had some reservations. But they felt shallow to me. So I'm like, just do it. All this will work. So he became a volunteer teacher in the Sunday school class. It was a class that kids love to go to and it was thriving. And then you know, a few months in, my sixth graders don't want to go. And particularly, I had this great group of boys and they loved it. And so like the very loyal ones are the ones that their parents were making them go. That's probably really the truth. When they wanted to stop, they were like, no, you're doing this. Um, and so one day I set in on it. And the dad is up on, he has the chalkboard and I had given him curriculum. It was great curriculum. I taught him how to use it. But anyways, he's on the board. You can tell I still have some feelings about that. And <laughs> it's like, it felt like it had the vibe of like a college class. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I understand why yeah. they don't want to be here. And his question was, I'll never forget this. He asked them, he's like, what does it mean to be saved? <laughs> this is the opening question. Number one, it's not language we used a lot. So that probably would have been difficult to them And this middle schooler is like, well, I saved my cat from falling off the roof.
0: <laughs> well, and, and the simple concept of being saved is somewhat abstract. I right. mean, let's just be honest, there's an abstractness to that, uh, that idea. And you're asking <laughs> middle school students who are only transitioning to abstract thought, maybe to To comprehend that without any context.
1: Yes. I'm like, <laughs> this is not help, And I'm trying not, I'm really trying not to laugh because I'm like, they then, then that, then another middle schooler told a story, another middle school. I mean, like they're all talking about how they saved something and he's trying to get them to move and they just can't make the shift. Right. And then I'm also frustrated because I'm like, you had this great curriculum that was interactive and had movement. Mm-hmm. So anyways, afterwards I went to talk to the lead youth pastor and I was like okay we've got to do something about this and he's like okay Kirsten you have to do something about this <laughs> great so I made an appointment dad came in we had a conversation i didn't think it was a great conversation but i didn't think it was an awful conversation until 3 days later i received an envelope under my office door that was <laughs> was typed two page let- letter single spaced
0: uh-huh
1: he had a lot to say about me, <laughs> he had a lot to say about the youth ministry, and just he gave us a lot of his opinions. And I remember after that, I was like, here's the truth. I don't ever want to sit here again. I don't want to ever have yeah. to do this. So what that probably is what it more is in my how do I recruit? Mm-hmm. Also learning to trust my gut. Like, I ignored some things that I'm like, I should have really paid attention to. Yeah. And probably... I was slower to trust volunteers, and I bring them in more on an entry level before they're like small group leaders. And all of it, I think, goes back to second year. So 20 plus years later, I'm like, I'm still like shaped by that experience. I will have to say I've never had to quote, quote, fire volunteer before again. So that has been good. We've had to move volunteers to different spaces, but have learned. But that was awful. i like,
0: <laughs> reminds me of the the Moneyball scene. I don't know if you've seen that movie where he makes him learn how to, to let go of a player who's been traded to another team. Uh, yes. And, you know, he's, yeah, he's the assistant, but he still has to do it. And I had a similar experience. Um, it was a little later into my ministry, but it was with a young adults group the young adults group was struck. It always struggled in our area. I mean, it does in lots of areas, you know, lots of churches. Um, and I was so pulled in other directions, the youth ministry and, and other ministries that I just couldn't give attention to this young adult class on Sunday mornings. And so I was instructed by my supervisor that we needed to keep that going and we needed to have somebody in there and they had somebody in mind. And I said, okay. And, Like you, there was red flags about this person, but I was kind of desperate and made a mistake and said, okay. And eventually no young adults came to the class. Like it just (sighs) dwindled down to nothing. And I kept asking them why, and they were, didn't really want to say they were trying to be nice, I think. Mm -hmm. And so then I eventually did come one time when there was some people there and I kind of listened and similar thing. It was, it was just terrible. And he was provided curriculum, but chose not to use it, chose to do his own thing, which was not good. Um, and so I had the conversation about, Hey, perhaps this is not the best area. We're going to, we're going to help you find another place to connect. Uh, and he just was not happy. Um, I, I met him at red lobster. I remember we went to red lobster cause he loved red lobster. So that's where we were going to meet. So we met at red lobster and, um, and sure enough, he wasn't happy. And about a week or two later, uh, showed up in my mailbox at the church mm. Uh, had been mailed a letter. Mine was handwritten though. Oh. And I don't know how many pages, but I'm thinking it was upwards of six pages. No way. I'm not even kidding. That's but commitment. This It really it really was. Um, and, uh, and so I opened it up and I recognized the handwriting. It was clear it had come from this person. Um, but number one rule that I heard a long time ago was if you don't put your name on it, I'm not going to read it.
1: There you go. And
0: so there was no name on it it was clear it was not happy mail. So I threw it away and never looked at it Look at because you. I was, I was not going to be bashed by somebody who wouldn't put their name on it. My, um, and I knew who it was. Well, right. And I knew what well, he wasn't happy.
1: Yeah. Not a lot of value there. I, you no. know, as a pastor's kid, my mom always said to us, cause we would receive at times anonymous letter. She's like, if you're going to write something, put your name on it. If you don't have the guts yeah. to put your name on it, don't write it. When I called my, Parents, because of course you know I'm very upset when I got my letter, and my dad's comment was, "Well, he put his name on it," and I was like,
0: (laughs) "There you go." (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) way to find the positive, Dad.
0: (laughs) So you know that informed me for sure, and it changed how I approach volunteers. Like you, I learned like if I have a gut sense, like I gotta listen to that. Like there's a reason why that's there, um, or at least give more space to dig in and think about it. Um, but this whole season. We're gonna focus on volunteers. We're gonna we're gonna talk about your volunteer team. Um, and I think, and I don't know if you agree with this, Kirsten, that oftentimes we we say we need more volunteers, um, and therefore we talk about how there's just not enough people in the church, or we say we don't know how to recruit them, like we ask, and no one responds. Um, and I think we always blame rec- the c- recruitment process mm-hmm. of volunteering, but I actually think it's much more than that. Um, It's not just how you recruit volunteers, is it?
1: No, I think and how you keep volunteers and retention and understanding that I think is is very helpful. And I like it because then I have more control over that, right? That is in my arena. But I do think we oftentimes think the problem is recruiting when we understand some of those other tools, which we're going to impact the series that really helps you to be able to... um, look at that differently and also have a different level of success when it comes to volunteers.
0: Yeah. Cause we don't want, like we don't want you our listeners to have the situations where you get the nasty letters. Uh, in truth, you might get one anyways. It's, sometimes that's just part of ministry. Uh, but we, we'd like to help you avoid that. Uh, we'd also like to help you have more volunteers and let's create more volunteers that are like the ones who have been there for a really long time. Yes. Like, they they are a gift. Now, sometimes we wish we could like shape them a little more, mold them a little bit. But in reality, their faithfulness is a significant gift to us if we would just recognize that. Yes, you know?
1: absolutely. Such a gift. And now I wish I could go back and ask them questions, right? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and learn a little bit more now that I'm in a different space. Yes.
0: Yes. I have seen the gentleman who wrote me the very long handwritten letter. In fact, he came when I was interim uh, pastoring a church uh multiple times to the sermon so I found that to be very interesting so either he's forgotten or forgiven or he's decided to to take notes again and use against me I don't know but um but here's what I would say as we wrap up this first episode here's what we want you, would like you to think about um we're going to talk about this season the lifespan of a volunteer oftentimes I don't know we consider the full lifespan of a volunteer and well, what by me What I mean by lifespan is that uh, from the moment that you decide to recruit somebody into ministry to the moment that they have stopped volunteering entirely with your group, so they're not involved for whatever reason. Um, And so we're going to try to help you consider the full lifespan of the volunteer and how each phase of that can impact the the number of volunteers that you have and um, how well they serve uh, in ministry. Yes. So two questions I I wonder for our listeners to think about if I was them is one, I would wonder, um, who do you have that has been around for a while? Or who's your longest volunteer? You know, maybe it's been a year for you. Maybe the volunteer has been there for five years or two years or maybe 10 years. um, And what, what has, in your mind, kept them around? Mm. So I would make a list of like, what has helped them stay around? And the second is, I would think about a volunteer who didn't make it, who maybe started th- for three months or six months and then left, or maybe they were there a year and they left. And I would wonder, like, what What do you think contributed uh, to them leaving? So I think if they we start with those questions, it, it can help build some reflection yeah. into our volunteer lifespan.
1: Yeah. So give us some great um, insight, and then also be able to be able to think, how do I want to shape that differently so that we can maximize the lifespan, which is the goal. How do you maximize that and put yourself in a position of strength to do that? So I'm excited for this series and the topics that we're going to talk about and unpacking how do we do that with volunteers and how do we maximize their impact for the kingdom?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Uh, Friends, uh, we hope that you will subscribe to this podcast, maybe share it with your friends if you find it helpful um, and join us this season as we dig into volunteers. Um, And until next time, I hope we've helped you make sense of this thing we call ministry. To learn more how we might guide you towards success in youth or children's ministries, head over to yminstitute.com.